Welcome to Oak Rides in the Frame. This is the podcast where we try and answer all of your questions on self-build and building your dream home. This is episode 12 and today we will be talking about warm cell insulation and my guest today is Jasper Mead of PYC who is the UK distributor of warm cell insulation. It's great to see that the whole industry now are starting to look at sustainability, the carbon impact of the product. What initially looks to be more expensive actually is potentially going to cost less on the way through the project. But it's not just the performance, it's not just the energy savings that you can make, but it's the comfort and well-being that you've got living in a passive house or, you know, houses built using these systems. Jasper, welcome. Good to see you. And you, Tim. Thanks for inviting me here. So we've known each other for many years, and um, Jasper builds uh, panel systems using warm cell insulation as well as distributing. And Oakrites also build our natural wall system, which uses warm cell insulation and cellulose insulation. So how many years ago, when was it that we first met each other? Casting our minds back here now. I'm not, I'm not sure really, but... It wasn't. It was before we were doing the distribution. It was when Excel were the ma- manufacturers That's in right. South Wales. So I'd has to guess it could be sort of 14, 15 years, something like that. I can't remember exactly why. We had been building, I remember, using wood fibre insulation on the outside of panels. And then we'd also been using the um, hemp insulation. And then we decided that I think that we needed to go for... Uh, a product that we could blow in and that's that's where warm cell came in so that was uh, um, how we first came across the idea and then saw warm cell I think on the on the internet and, and followed our, our way through to meet you and how did you first uh, get into sort of cellulose insulation? Quite a bit longer than that we started back in I think it was around 93 94 and uh, we were doing some conversion work barn conversion work and looking at insulation materials and we were introduced to cellulose fiber by a friend who's an architect in New Zealand and he'd been very much at the forefront in New Zealand of the natural sustainable materials and what were then known as eco-friendly or green materials yes and um, anyway we picked up on it we tried to get somebody to do the work for us they found that an hour was too far for them to travel. And so we ended up buying the machinery and um, getting involved in doing it ourselves. And so what started off as just a, for our own, uh, our own frames, our own system, um, soon then became an install for others. And so we, at the peak, we were running three teams all over the country doing probably about 80% of the work of warm cell in the UK. And that reminds me, that's, I think, the where we did see the uh, insulation being for, used, first of all, was, was a gentleman called Bill Bampton over in Essex who had a Crendel machine. And we actually bought his Crendel blowing machine originally yeah. from him. So he'd probably been buying from you or, or in the early days from Warm Cell yeah. in this country and had been installing. And that's how we sort of, first of all, uh, that's where I first saw the um, cellulose being used. And uh, as time has gone on, it's been interesting because I came to see Warm Cell, I think, when we first were introduced to you, and they were on the heads of the valley. Is that, is that- That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Ebu Vale, where they started off, and then they moved to Romney, which was just down the road, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And um, anyway, they got into trouble as a company probably about eight years ago. And we'd been looking out um, at other European manufacturers to see who else could provide what we wanted. And we teamed up with a company called CIUR. 
who are one of the biggest and what we saw as the best manufacturers in Europe. And um, anyway, as things turned out, the troubles that Excel got into uh, liquidated, they had to liquidate the company. And so we then stepped in with the checks and um, started distribution in the UK ourselves. I mean, what's really helped us, I think, develop the business in, in the UK is the passive house movement. So people have started to focus on super insulation and buildings and passive houses been a pretty much a good lead for that and um we've we've started on the first passive house probably in 2008 uh, first passive house first pass passive house offices and then further educational buildings etc and so learning from them we've really helped develop the whole business of super insulating the building and i think that as you get deeper with your wall structures to get better insulation in there you can't cut and fit something so well. So blowing it under pressure, that dense pack really helps. Yeah. And that's been that's been the thing, really, hasn't it? And uh, as you say, passive house, and and it's been great that uh, on the passive house that we've built, we have also used the cellulose to 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 insulate. And it's not only I don't think just the U value or the insulation value. Yes, you can blow it and blow it tightly into every uh, sort of small part or crevice of the panel system, yeah, which is great. Yeah. And, and that's good. But I think what I have liked about it is the breathability of the product. And I think that's also one of the things that drew me to it originally was the idea. I came from a background of renovating old houses. So when you're with your old farmhouse, you're, you're lime mortar and the, and the actual house will breathe, although probably most of its breathing came from all the drafts and gaps, which the the, the idea, I think, with, with super insulated houses is that you should have controlled ventilation not uncontrolled drafts and so it's not only building the panel system um, but uh, 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 the ins and the insulation within the panel system but it's the way the panel system fits together isn't it and I, I know that you not only distribute but you manufacture panel system as well yes yeah, so we we started up when we were uh, doing turnkey builds local but buying in the frames but about six years ago we started we bought a site and um, we now manufacture an i-beam uh, construction system predominantly on the passive house levels and that's where that's sort of really learned given us uh, insights into how important that is and um, it's developing very well good and it's it's great to see that the whole industry now are starting to look at sustainability the carbon impact of the product but it's not just the performance it's not just the energy savings that you can make but it's the comfort and well-being that you've got living in a passive house or you know houses built using these yes i think one of the things i'm always describing to people is and, and, and you can see them glazing over when i'm talking is decrement delay is my favorite yeah. thing where if you have your because we build two pa panels which sometimes does make it a bit difficult because you're trying to you've got two offerings the u value is very similar similar for the two panels but the decrement delay is very much different and and with the cellulose i think the decrement delay is around about 10 hours is that correct for us yeah wall indeed panel? so with a lightweight insulation we saw that demonstrated with that work you're doing with the university that um uh, the peaks and troughs of a heating of a building over um, a, a year are up and down with a lightweight insulation but where you've got a, a heavy dense pack insulation you get more of a flat line so you don't get that discomfort during the summer 
and it's much easier to keep your temperatures under control. And also where we're, we're concerned, it's, an, it's a, um, oak framed and, and with an oak frame, the best looking part of the, of the oak frame tends to be the trusses and the trusses are up in the roof unless you've got a single story family room, which I would always yeah. design on my, on my oak framed house. Um, but you say you've got this room in the roof. And with a room in the roof, you are up in, because normally you'd find in, in, a, in a traditional house, you find the loft and the insulation in the loft above the bedroom ceiling sort of protects you from the heat of the su- in, in the summertime. You, you open the loft, it's actually boiling in the loft, but in the bedroom, it's slightly more comfortable. The problem we have is because we're room in the roof, we are yeah. up in that space. So we need a system that really can help to keep the room not only warm in the winter, but cooler in the summer. And that density, so we're sort of pumping the insulation, the cellulose insulation, at about 65 to 70 kilograms a cubic meter. And I think that the PU foam insulation is running out at about 30 to 35 kilograms in density a cubic meter yeah uh, something yeah about about. That. i think so and but yeah essentially because it's a lighter weight insulation you the heat transfer is three four hours whereas you create that with a dense pack cellulose fiber insulation such as warm cell it'll be about 11 hours so of course that's going to really help keep your building cool so sun rises sun starts to come out at around about 10 o'clock in the morning saying warming up by 12 o'clock it's warm mid-afternoon it's boiling and on your lighter weight insulation that sun is actually penetrating exactly so we always think about don't we but heat keeping the house warm so we're going to keep the keep the heat of the house in but actually uh, the sun is so strong that if the sun the sun can push its heat through that insulation into the house so in the summertime be driving the heat into the house and on a room in the roof that is a problem so mid-afternoon if you're going out to work in the day yeah. shutting your house up it's by the time you get home at five o'clock, it's boiling. But with the with the cellulose insulation, what you have there is you've got this sort of 10, 11 hour decrement delay. So by the time the sun starts to push through the insulation, the shell of the house, it's about five o'clock, six o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Yeah. And then it's cooling. So you do get this much more equal um, rise and fall of temperature within the house through the year. That's exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back to yeah. comfort of living. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. We've spoken about how uh, you first came into working with Warm Cell and how I first came across Warm Cell. And it was great at the time. We were trying to make a panel. So we had chosen iJoyce made in Scotland and we chose the insulation um, was was made in Wales at the time. And we were trying to pick up the materials that we could to make sure that all the all the parts of our panel were produced in the UK. I know that the warm cell went astray and it is now manufactured in the Czech Republic. Great, great product, but we're, we're having to bring it in. And, and with the cost of transportation going up at the present moment, and yeah. is, there a, is there an opportunity, do you think, to actually be able to produce in the UK again? Absolutely. I mean, our, that's our ultimate aim is to set up the manufacturing back here in the UK. And... People are often saying to us, well, isn't there going to be a shortage of paper? But no, there still is a massive excess of paper available and a lot still going into landfill, believe it or not. Um, and with transport costs and shipping it around the world is is getting more and more expensive. So our home market is going to benefit from that in, in some ways. So over the last six months to a year, we've been working with Welsh Government and um and we've managed to secure good supplies of paper. So we're going to be able to satisfy the quantities that we need for manufacturing. And ultimately, we'll be getting the manufacturers to help us set up here in the UK. 
Good. Well, hopefully we're buying our, our insulation from you and it will be made here here at home, which will be, it'll be a great news story. And really, as we sit here at this moment, we every day fuel prices are going up and up and up. And really, super insulated houses are going to come into their own. But as I was mentioning earlier, it's not just about the U value um, that is claimed. And, and quite often you find you hear these claims built to passive house standards. But as we found, the difference between building to a passive house standard or saying that you build to a passive house standard and actually building a passive house and gaining the certification, the gaining the plaque on the wall is a real challenge. And I think you have to actually build passive houses as a company to fully understand and, and appreciate the challenges. And how, how have, you, have you found that situation yourself? Absolutely. And people are always talking about, um, I want to build a passive house principles but not necessarily achieving certification. And although certification is just a badge, um, so who needs a badge on the wall really in their house? But what people don't fully understand is that certification process is an evidencing process. You monitor exactly what you've done and evidencing the fact that you've insulated pipes in the wall, you've got the right amount of insulation under the floor, in the walls, in the roof, and it's proving that point. And, you know, principles are there, but that means you could compromise a bit by putting a bit too extra, too much timber in a wall, get cold bridging. So the certification process really helps ensure that you are going to really get to those standards. Um, and, and also, so the reason for building a super insulated house or to go and build a passive house is really to have, and, and this is where the cellulose comes in, because of the breathability of the, of the product, you get that... Um, you get that so the people will say, oh no, I don't want a house that's all completely sealed and it, it's all too airtight. And you say, well, actually, it's it's not about it being airtight. It's about having a forced ventilation system that then is controlling the ventilation within the house rather than having drafts that are uncontrolled. And at this moment, back with the heating costs, just, you know, wherever you've got a draft, um, you've got heat, pound note, just disappearing through your walls, the connection between your roof and your walls, yeah. through your sockets, any hole in the wall, those pound notes are disappearing out, aren't they? And back to the passive, having to build, and to build to the air tightness of 0 0.6 at 50 pascals of air pressure, air exchange per hour, really is quite quite a challenge. It is, um, but and, and that is the understanding, the misunderstanding, I would say, that you're living in this airtight house, that's surely going to be uncomfortable. But... You can still open the windows, uh, but when it's really windy out there and really cold, you don't want to open those windows, and then you need that fresh air. And so the ventilation system, the mechanical ventilation and heat recovery system, that's what gives you that fresh air and better comfort. And I've got a friend who moved to Hereford, in fact, yes. and he moved from the hills of Mid Wales, living by fields, gra grassland fields, and he moved to the edge of Hereford and um, saw the green fields, thought, this is great. Those green fields then started going yellow. And he suddenly realized he was allergic to um, hay fever. He had hay fever and he was allergic to the pollen from the rape fields. And if he'd got an MVHR system in his house, he could have put pollen filters in there and he'd have gone li lived in his house breathing fresh, clean air. I mean, that's an extreme example, really. But you definitely do get much better air quality. Well, I remember that one of the first times we we installed a, an MVHR system was for a farmer, 
Um, it was a Wielden style frame we'd built, so we had no connection to connect the pipework from one side. We had to put two units in one either side of the house, but he had got farmer's lung. So any dust made him feel really ill. So we had we installed the heat ventilation system there. So with the filters there, he could filter out all the dust that was coming into the house because they were in the country and that worked. And he really enjoyed great health afterwards. Yeah. So linked back to the super insulated house, well ventilated, um, and then air tightness. And I find... I find air tightness quite challenging. We used to build a panel system where we would produce the panel system, but the membrane would have to be applied by the builders on site. Now, that could either be quite good, yeah. sometimes really good. Sometimes quite often, really badly. Really bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. And the air tightness would be an absolute disaster. Um, and that was just a disaster at the time, really, because it wouldn't meet the air tightness test for the building regulations but you know and, and yes you're losing money because your heating system or your your you've got drafts coming in but stepping forwards to this moment in time it is a great it is of great importance isn't it because that air tightness of the house the drafts sealing the drafts is very important so i think what i'm getting around to there it's not only the construction of the panel. Anybody can make a panel, can't they? Or anybody can make a panel in a way they say, this will be a Passive House certified panel. Well, it's all about, as we find, building around oak frames. And we spoke earlier in our chat and we were walking around our workshops about creep. And it's all about how well the panels actually fit together. You want to avoid creep and you need to make sure the panel and the taping of the panels together, once they're installed, is absolutely spot on and i know that not only do you distribute um a warm cell i think you also distribute taping systems Is that yeah right? we we um we sell the proclima um range of materials so there's air tightness tapes and membranes so essentially there's a a tape or a membrane fit for purpose for all aspects of the build but yeah i mean what what we've been talking about and what's i think is really interesting to see is that sustainability in construction has has been of an interest but very much a niche niche market for many years and what's great to see um uh, is such a pain for a lot of people fuel poverty is really shocking states at the moment but this energy crisis is really focusing in on what a high performance building can do and the the real need that we have to improve the fabric performance of our houses so better insulation, better air tightness, et cetera. And we can then get down to high performance buildings, which will save us all money yes. and much more comfortable homes to and, live in. And the housing stock of a country will be of a higher, higher quality, Indeed. which will be good. Yeah. Um, with, the, with the air tightness, what I find quite bizarre on, on that front is that on development sites, it's only 10% of the houses that are built have to have an air test. And, and, and at the moment, I know that regulations are changing. In June of this year, as I understand it, every house built then, but it applies for building regulations after, will have to have an air test. Yeah. But I have found that quite amazing that you can go onto a, onto a housing estate and yes, this house has an air test and, and meets the the, the air test um, regular regulation, which I think is five. Is it now? It's, it's five. I mean, it's it's you des pre-design your air tightness yes. level. So um, according to what design facility you're using. So if it's SAP, you can be setting it at five or below. And with Passive House, it's below 0. 0.6. Yes. So it's much better, of course. Um, but it is what, what Even actual houses do five. achieve that. Yeah. 
if, even meeting the five on these development houses some of, them, is just, some of them struggle some of them struggle which is big pretty shocking to be honest so going forwards with the new regulations coming in which are going to force every house to have to have a test that'll be great yeah and i think the it would be nice to see i think the level because i understand it that um anything lower than three air, air tests an hour or, or at 50 pascals or three air exchanges sorry needs heat recovery and ventilation so yeah be, i think in europe it's sort of three and un, three one and a half i think you have to have mvhr mechanical ventilation whereas uh from there to three it's classed as natural ventilation which would be window opening yes. um or trickle vents um so but i mean that's one thing that we would rule out in in all our builds is using trickle vents so Yes. Ventilation, which is constantly open. You don't really want that. No. Well, certainly not back to, the, as we've said about the, the heat disappearing. Uh, through, through where, where was the draft coming in? So now let's talk about um, the actual panel construction. And uh, you, there are a number of panel constructions out there. And I know that you, you use the iJoy system. We use an iJoy system. But I know with the cellulose blown, there are companies who use what's called an open web panel, isn't there? Which yeah, is, so... Essentially, what you're doing with an I-beam system is you're creating a cold bridge-free structure. And you can do that with a twin wall system or a Larson truss system. So that's where you have two walls connected with a web, a fin of OSB or ply. And so that separate separates out the two studs, cuts down that cold bridging of your wall structure and gives you a much higher performance. And they all work really well. Um, so it's horses for courses for how you want to work and what what building system you prefer to work with. We've chosen I-Beam like yourself, but the twin wall systems work extremely well as well. Yes. Okay. And that, that and when we talk we talk about the wall system, but it's not only the walls, is it? It's the roof as well. So you, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't use a twin wall in a, in a roof, for instance. So majority of those structures would be an I-Beam, perhaps. Um, but for a typical solid stud timber frame when you're looking at the um, timber fraction, so that's the amount of timber in your structure, by default, you're allowed to use a figure of 15%. Yes. But reality is when you measure it accurately, it can be as much as 25%. So by using a twin wall or an I-beam system, um, you can reduce that down to as little as 8%. And so that's vast improvement on your thermal performance. And for we in our walls as a standard thickness use a, a 240 millimeter eye joist, and then in the roofs we use a 300 millimeter eye joist. Is that the same? Do you say or do you use different sizes, or what sizes do you go for? Is the typically or most of our builds start with what U values required. So if it's 0.13, then it'll be a 300 mil eye beam. Um, perhaps that would be greater and so it could be a 400 it also depends on the span so on a on a large roof span you'll you'll need a 400 mil i-beam perhaps and then clearly you can get fully fill that with insulation and that gives you sort of a, a, a gain of uh... 0 0.1 0 0.11 depends on what other materials are used or the centers of the studs and then um i i had a, a chat to a a friend of mine who's a developer and not, not a large-scale developer but a, a bit they would consider they build good quality houses and i was just interested how, how do you get on with your air tightness testing and he said well not too bad we find we can normally manage that he said that, that isn't really the problem he said he works on the sites himself each day and he said afterwards they'll get a house owner come back and say we we can't get the temperature of our house to up to a decent level and we feel the house is cold we can feel drafts so we've called in uh, a company with a, a thermal imaging camera who come and have a look at the house try and assess where the drafts are 
but he said it's not actually the problem with the drafts. What the problem is that they actually got insulation missing. So they so they're building with a uh, an open stud frame, like the one hundred and forty millimeter stud frame that is a standard timber frame in this country. Yeah. Turns up on site, opens one side, so the insulation is being fitted on site. Um, yes, the insulation may well be fitted, but somebody, electrician, plumber, whatever, come along after, pull some of the insulation out to run some pipe work or some cabling. They do their work, forget to put the insulation back in. Somebody puts the membrane on, staples it on, and away to go. Nobody noticed. And he said, I cannot believe this. I'm on every site every day, and this happens. And then suddenly you get this thermal imaging test done, and you um, are finding cold parts in the walls and they have to take the plaster board off and they're opening the wall up to install insulation. Now, the great thing with the system that both you uh, work with and Oakwright's work with and is out there is the closed wall system, or which quite often is known as a SIP panel, isn't it? So really what we are building and what you are building is a SIP panel, isn't it? It's a, it's a structurally insulated panel, but is closed. Uh, yes, I mean, this there's a confusion about the names really of those panels and we don't call it sips i mean you could call it a natural sip some yes. company call them nzips um, um but yeah by manufacturing off-site by um filling with the insulation off-site you can really control the quality you can control the densities to ensure that everything is there and it's closed but, yeah and it's closed but i think the big difference and what you're talking about with uh, site filling and site manufacturing uh, frames is that the services are often run within the frame structure and so where we look at it we have a closed panel system so it's closed completely closed boarded both sides but we have a service batten zone which enables um, all the services to be run on the warm side of the insulation so you've got no risk of penetration that air tightness so there's no reason to move you don't have to cut through into the panel no. do you so the insulation no. is intact the only time you're going to be going through the insulation i suppose is soil pipes possibly um or vents going out through the wall isn't it and yeah and then you need to seal yeah. around that and just make sure you pack your insulation back around the pipe correctly. yeah i mean there, there's only a couple of those in a, in a building and that can be designed in and built into our panels or if you did cut a hole through a panel um apart from the air tightness issue which you'd have to make good with a grommet or something like that but it doesn't all fall out. It leaves a perfect neat round hole so you can um, seal that up afterwards very easily. And floor joists, because um, I know that in traditional housing, the, the, the principal places are where the, where the wall meets the floor, where the, where the first floor meets the walls, and where the roof meets the walls tend to be the places where the air and round windows where air seeps out. Yeah. Now, on floor joists, you're, the system that you use there, so... What we'd have is traditionally we'd bring the walls up on a, on a timber frame building, then you'd lay your floors on, and then you'd sit your um, your walls on top, your first floor walls on top. Now, for a super insulated house that is going to be airtight, that is a major problem, isn't it? So how it, how do you come how do you overcome that? Yeah, I mean it, it it does work, but you've got more of a fiddly detail. You've got more of a risk of cold bridging where that wall sits on top of the other one on the outside but so the way we've dealt with it is we use a ledger based system so that the wall fits in the the floor panel sits in against the wall and doesn't have to cut through that air tightness layer. so your ledger is almost in the thickness of your counter batten for your for your it, service it is indeed so it's like yeah. a, it's a glue lime section of timber which is fitted there and then the floor joists sit and the cassettes sit on top of that yes yeah and that is what so we we do as you do, it's either a ledger or it's an oak beam. 
So yeah. our beam runs out onto the ledges of just beyond. So you don't see the ledge, but it, but it is there. But yes, but we don't go through the wall. So so what you're creating really on the walling is a complete tea cozy of insulation all around the house, which is unbroken. So you've got nothing going through. That, that is essentially the whole principle. So coming from underneath the house, around the floor, wall joints there, it's that tea cozy. So full thermal wrap around the whole building. And what has been the most... Um, well, let's say, let's say, what's been the most interesting project that you've worked on to date, would you say? What's the one that brings back memories? <laughs> um, we've just completed, back in January, we completed a large passive house block of offices in Southern Ireland. That was a challenge logistically. Um, that was 4,500 square metre uh, passive house block. It was a steel frame and we did the wrap around it. And logistically, that was quite tricky to do, but... It was a success and the building has now been completed. So we'd look forward to seeing that fully finished. Um, housing wise, well, we have worked on projects from literally from Land's End right up to Edinburgh. Um, difficult to know really, which would be the most exciting, the most yeah. interesting. We tend to look at the ones which have been most challenging and then <laughs> ultimately successful. Yes. Um, the ones that really stand out are the ones which have had a few problems, but everything we've done that's had a problem has been overcome and we've ruled out a lot of issues on, on build, um, building points. And so well, we've got all a lot of success. Of details, isn't it? Because you probably you're like ourselves. Everything we build, I always say to our, everything you have to remember everything that we build is a prototype. And people look at you and think, a prototype? Yeah. And you see, well... The process is there, but every house is different. Every shape is different. So so really, it is the development of all the details, but it's a little bit like having a Meccano set, really. You could build anything out of your Meccano set, but you need to have the parts, don't you? The Absolutely. parts and the details, yeah. and they have to be... Yeah. So you don't want a Meccano set where you're trying to file bits off or weld bits on, do you? You have to have your set of details, and you work to those details because they're tested and they work. Yeah, we rarely have the luxury of repetition in designs. Um, we recently completed six houses where there was two semis, and that was they were exactly the same design. So that was that a dream, was a dream in f <laughs> for that, but only for two. Um, but yeah, everything pretty much is bespoke, and you're quite right. It's and if you don't admit to changing things and improving things, then well, I think you're a liar to be honest, because there's there's always something to change and, and you've always got to be looking at your details. Absolutely. And then it's about feeding those details, the, the revised details correctly into the process of design, isn't it, after that? Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. when you was, uh, ourselves on the interesting projects and so forth, I did just touch base with a gentleman this morning um who we built a passive house for. And I said, well how is the house going? How is it running? It's absolutely fine, wonderful. It's all going well, thank you. I said, how are you finding your heating bills? And I said, well, they have gone up by 50% of the heating bills. And I said, oh, right, oh dear. So, so, so really, it's just about the same. as it? He said, well, yes, it's all, it's, it's, everything's related to the cost of electricity, really. Everything in the house runs on electric, electricity. He said, we did spend £100 last year on, on our heating for the whole year. He said this year, so I said, so it's going to be a disaster. So this, so this year you're going to be looking at 150 pounds to heat your house. And he said, yes. Yeah. So we were laughing about that, which shows that with really good detailing and good construction, the cost that many people are going through, costing thousands and thousands of pounds to heat their house, can be avoided by a great detail and a great construction super insulated it's, system. It's one of the simplest things to get right is the fabric, and that fabric first approach is crucial, I think, to 
to improving our housing stock. And yes, yeah, so he's he's complaining about his heating bills going up, but when he's got ten percent bill compared to the majority of householders, oh. then he's not in a bad place. No, not in a bad no. place. So. Um, what have we missed? What else have we got to talk about here on panel systems and, and cellulose? Have you missed? Tell me anything about what are we missing, Jasper? Don't know. I, what, what you were saying just then, Tim, about um, heating costs, and it's always difficult to think about how much is a house to heat, how much it's going to cost to run. And one easy way to to equate it, I think, is and you're into your cars, um, is uh, fuel costs, running costs of your car. So. If you're in a conventional car, for instance, you're going to have to fill it up 20 times in a year. If you're in the equivalent of a, a passive house version of a car, you might have to fill it up once or twice a year. And so if you look at those sort of things, that's a really simple way to explain it, I think. Then the other challenge that we have sometimes, and I, I don't think we do a very good job at this really, or not as good a job as we should, is getting telling the story and getting the message across to the person who's looking to build their dream home that the panel system it is something that you won't see once it's built and in you will not see that but you have one chance to get it right with the detailing and the quality so we will find that we will we will draw a model of the, uh, of the oak frame on SketchUp and send that out so the customer understands what they're getting. We draw a model of all the panel and we describe in detail what is happening with the panel. That we're, It's got the breathing membranes, it's got the, um, the, the, the counter buttons are set, the service buttons are set on the inside, counter buttons on the outside for weatherboarding or tracking ready to take brickwork or whatever. It's yeah. all set on the panel as it goes out from the factory. We can even install the windows as well into the panels um, if they lend themselves to that. And you will find that somebody will get a price. They won't have a model. They won't perhaps have the full description, but they get a price. And uh, we had this recently where the gentleman came back and said, your, your price, it's uh, it's 40% different. You, know, you, 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 you're out of the game. Oh dear me, I can't really understand. Would you would you mind just sort of just don't send us the price, but send us the specification so we can have a look. When we had a look, it was for a cut roof and there was no insulation included at all. When we actually worked it through, the system was more economical. But you need to be able to see through just the price and, and actually look at the detailing correctly of what you're having priced up and what is coming through to you to understand that what initially looks to be more expensive actually it's potentially going to cost less on the way through the project. By the time the project's finished, that element that looked expensive could be more economical for you because it's all the follow-on elements to a lower price to get it to the same standard. And I don't know, I find, and it, it does frustrate me a little bit, but how about I, yourself? Do I you absolutely agree. I mean, that like for like, it's so difficult for people to equate what one price is, what another price is. And when it comes to insulation levels in a wall, um, we would look at it and uh, be putting it up to passive house levels of insulation there. And a customer will look at a price and think, well, hang on, this one's a lot cheaper. But then when he's perhaps spending 80% more on his fuel costs than what we would be, it's very difficult for them to look at that over the years and understand that this is a big saving. So don't just look at your price make sure that you understand what the the whole package is you're getting so like for like comparisons if you know if if you struggle you really need to ask a few more questions just to make sure that you understand what you're getting for and it and i think 
with the product that uh, we we together are producing, I, I liken it really to what you see in Germany. Whereas I, I remember going to a, a factory in Germany and they only build within 35 miles of where they're based. Absolutely beautiful houses built, but the walling system was built of a higher standard. And I think it is the process in Germany that so everybody virtually in Germany buy their plot and then choose the company they're going to work with to build the house rather than buying a house that's built. And because of that, they are used to going out and assessing not not just the price, but what is the best value for money and what is the best quality for the money I've got to spend. Yeah, And not only just the look of the house afterwards, but the actual, what I'd call the skeleton of the house, about having that to as higher quality as possible. So I would liken, I've seen your factory, uh, I, I, you've seen our factory, I would liken those factories to, to what people see in Germany. And that's where we, want, we mm. need to be, raising yeah. the bar all the time of the quality of production. Yeah. I mean, we you know we've got to remember that in the UK, ninety percent of the houses are built by six companies. Yes, <laughs> and profit line is what's driving those builds. Costs are definitely going to be down there in the performances. And we probably dream of those profit lines. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we've got the quality line yeah, correct. Yeah. We just need to the profit line yeah. needs to be the same. There we go. Yeah, I mean, a big house builder in Germany builds three hundred houses a year, not yeah. three thousand or no. thirty thousand as some of the UK right. big boys do. So, well, it's been a fascinating conversation. And uh, cellulose insulation, you are the UK's uh, distributor of warm cell. So let's hope we see many more houses built with warm cell insulation. With cellulose insulation, you can build a house that is not only warm in the winter, but also through decrement delay will keep you cool in the summer. Uh, breathable walling system, so it'll give you a healthy living environment, a little bit like wearing your Gore-Tex jacket. It breathes. You could wear a plastic mac. It would keep you dry, but you wouldn't be very comfortable. So with cellulose insulation, you have a warm house in the winter, a cooler house in the summer, a, a, a lovely living environment, and and working with companies who build to a high quality. You have a fantastic panel system and and build your dream home. So Jasper... Thank you very much indeed. It's been Thank a great you, conversation. Tim. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode 12, Oakwright's In The Frame, the podcast where we try and answer all of your questions on self-build. Follow our platform for more information.